Welcome to the After Dark Podcast, the podcast in which Anthony leads his unknowing friend Conrad by the hand through TV shows. Will Conrad like them? Will Conrad hate them? Will Conrad predict what's going to happen, or will he be lost in the dark? Find out now, only on the After Dark Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the After Dark Podcast. I'm Anthony, and that's Conrad. Hello! That's him. Well, Conrad, we're here. We've got our backpacks, we've got our rucksacks, we've got everything else. We've got our suitcases, all sorts of bags. You know, all sorts of bags. Not plastic bags. Learned that lesson before. Right, okay. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but you know. Learned that lesson in terms of the environment is what I mean. We're setting up for a journey, Conrad, is yeah. what we're doing. We are setting up to start the OA. Um, anyone who's joining us just for the OA, because I'm going to try and plaster this all over certain forums to try and get people interested. If you're joining us for the OA, we just did Dark. So if you if you like Dark, you can go and watch that whole thing. We did a whole whole journey on that as well. Now we're going to go through the OA. And Conrad, now we have to sort of give a few provisos in terms of the first episode. Don't expect Conrad to be come out, coming out swinging with crazy theories. I think he's tempted. He's tempted to come out and just be like, so-and-so does this, and just go mental with the theories. Yeah, like giving, think... it the, giving it the big one, but like, yeah. like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, just be a, he's going to be a bit restrained maybe for the first few episodes. Get his feelers out. You know, he needs yeah. to get his feelers out before he starts predicting that certain people are going to cast some spells. Let, like, me, you know... let me get my feet under the table first here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let me just settle in. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, the OA, I'm really, really excited. Connor, how have you been uh, this week? I've been very well, thank you. Um, I we we had a a, a, a slight COVID scare, uh, which we're still waiting for the results of. But I think everyone's fine, so that's that's always exciting in this post. I, I actually I was going to say post pandemic world. It's very much mid pandemic world that we're living <laughs> in at the moment. Um, yeah, apart from that, just carrying on as usual. Very looking forward to getting into the OA. Actually, it's not. Um, I'll, I'll say this at, at the at the offset. It wasn't really what I expected it to be, uh, but um, we'll we'll discuss that more as we get into it how have you been yeah no i've been good i've been good just uh you know remote learning teaching over the internets uh you know trying my best trying my best um yeah but just very very boring life these days really um <laughs> apart from the un- ongoing and never-ending excitement that is the uh, culture cave youtube channel that's what i was gonna say if it wasn't for the culture <laughs> cave youtube channel um i mean I-, I wouldn't be bored let's be honest i've got a loving family and we play in games all the time all sort of thing but but it does. It keeps a certain of sort of formality in your mind about what we're doing every day, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed it. Right, Conrad. Um, first of all, before we get into the thing, I'm going to say subscribe to us on podcasting apps if you haven't already. If you want to subscribe on YouTube, the Culture Cave at YouTube, that'd be great as well. You can also send us an email with comments, questions, uh, critiques of Conrad, anything you want. Uh, adpodmail at gmail.com. Uh, we also could take comments underneath this video for questions for episode two of the OA. Now we have some questions. I also will say there are a lot of people in the comment section who are going to be on this video who are being Conrads. They have never Mm. seen the show. They're going through episode by episode with us. Um, If you are a Conrad, could you please make sure any... uh, No, no, sorry, sorry. If you're an Anthony, could Mm. you please make sure that anything you're saying could be spoiler tagged if you're talking about future episodes? Conrads who are throwing out um, theories, we'll see how we get on. Um, if I if I start seeing theories that I think are too close to the bone, and I start to think maybe some people are getting everything right, our listeners uh, what, would never. 
they would. I know you would never guess, but if you are, maybe I'll start saying that we should spoiler tag, like theory tag, and you put theory, and then like enter, 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 and then put the thing. Maybe we could do that, um, and people click on theories knowing that someone could be lying. I don't think we'll need to do that. Let's be honest. I don't think if, we'll need to do that. If you are a comrade and you're listening to this, welcome to the club. It's yeah. great here. We have uh, those little sausages and pineapple on cocktail six. Well, do they see, still serve uh, those anywhere? I mean, obviously they don't serve them anywhere because the world is is gripped by a nightmarish disease. But like, when, like, is that just me exposing that I'm I'm in my thirties? That that's my go-to party food reference. What cocktail sticks? Yeah, like like pineapple and cheese and sausages on cocktails. I don't know. You know what my go-to cocktail stick thing is? Is uh, a little pickled onion with oh. a cube a cube of cheddar. That's disgusting. Lovely. Pickled lovely. onion can get fucked. I, I, I like <laughs> onion. I'll, I, you know, I cook with onion all the time. Pickled onion, it's just like uh, the, the there's a okay. So this is a tangent. We're going to go off on a tangent here for a second, folks. I'll wrangle us back. Don't worry. There is a there is a, a, a passage in what I can't remember which one of the books it is, but in one of the Song of Ice and Fire books, where Sedavos just takes a fucking bite out of an onion, just a raw onion. And well, he's the onion most... knight. He's the onion like, well, knight. yeah, exactly. It probably is in the scene where he's bringing the onions to Storm's End, <laughs> I guess, in, in retrospect. It is one of the most disgusting things I've ever heard of in my life. Like, just biting a raw onion. So if you're into that, comment down below so I can kick you out of the Conrad Club because we don't eat raw <laughs> <We don't laughs> How eat do raw... you kick someone out of the Conrad Club? You just force them to watch the whole show. Yeah, yeah. So you aren't allowed to comment until you've watched the whole of the OA, all right? Then come well, back. That, yeah, that's like in Seinfeld as well. George, when he loses his glasses, takes a bite out of an onion thinking it's an apple. Also, um, Anthony's, he might have the cocktail sausages. We've got Toast Hawaii. Come on yeah, in. Yeah, that is the true. Toast, the Toast Hawaii is fine. So that'll be great. Um, all right. So, Conrad, you ready to get into it? Let's do it. Let's do it with a mouthful <laughs> of coffee. Oh, let's break it down. All right, so the first episode of the OA opens with a mobile phone, and this is something that wasn't done in our previous show, so already different off the back, is a mobile phone shot video of uh, a blonde woman jumping off a bridge. Yes. What um, do you think about this as an opening for a TV show? I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly dynamic an eye-catching. Um, yeah. my, my read of the scene is that she doesn't appear to be in the kind of distress that one would expect of someone who is um, trying to kill themselves or, well, I'll, I'll alter that slightly say, I think she, I have a theory. Um, I think she is trying to, I think she is trying to kill herself. Having, having, having started this off by saying like, we're not going to go crazy with the theories. We are now about 30 seconds into the podcast proper. And I've already got one. I think she is trying to kill herself, but I don't think, I don't think death means to her what we think it means. So she doesn't look to me like she has the the despair of someone who is trying to end her life um, when she does it. She looks almost more wistful. But it's, yeah, it's definitely a a dynamic and and, um, eye-catching way to open an an episode of television. Yeah, definitely. Um, It also, to me, bring like immediately sets her apart from the rest of the world she's someone who they're filming with the video camera yeah. it's like all of us we are the we are the sort of watchers of her you know what i mean um sets her out as an individual uh straight away for me as well okay so yeah. she wakes up in a hospital having been out for three days apparently yeah. um she doesn't like touching no nope. she's got scars on her back um yeah. and she also says i'm the oa yeah so there's three little bits of information that are given to us in this scene what do you think about those bits of information? Well, I'm sure the scars are nothing. 
uh we can just just scratch that off get rid of those i'm sure they yeah, they, yeah just uh, totally disregard those they're not important the touching <laughs> um <laughs> the touching seems like um i i don't really know where i'm gonna land on the touching thing like again it, like this is the first time we're being introduced this character so it's obviously like they wouldn't that this is them like kind of front-loading the characterization of prairie slash the oa um here and they're not going to say stuff or i presume they're not going to say stuff unless it's important so yeah. seemingly all of these things are significant the touching i'm not sure about uh the um and the name i have some thoughts on what oa stands for it's not that serious to be honest uh but i i think you said that someone might have asked a question on that so someone's maybe... asked a question about what it means so we'll, we'll leave that till the oh, questions yeah. section so wait for that guys he's already got a thought now also he's not going to commit that to the, th the theory matrix no. just yet uh, and if he does it'll be in pencil um yeah so I, you know I, I like that i have some kind of loose theories about this but to be honest I, I'll, I'll say this now like coming out of this episode the theories I have, they're like so broad that I don't even think they'd be particularly entertaining because I, I can't really make any more. This before the the final fifteen minutes of this episode, the the show plays its cards pretty close to its chest, so yeah, it's yeah. kind of hard for me to to come up with any any really concrete theories. Yeah, and like to be honest with you, like that that's most shows would be like that. You need a hint of mystery. Yeah. Um to get to, to, to you can't answer there's not gonna be any questions answered in this episode, let's be honest. Uh that would be a weird show. Um all yes. right, okay. So um people who claim to be her parents, who we the woman who we find out is called Prairie. Mm. Call her Prairie, call her the OA. I don't know whichever way we fall on that. Um uh basically Prairie uh is in the hospital and her parents go and go and see her, and we find out that so when she first walks in they're saying she says who are these people mm. and we find out that although they are her parents she has never seen them before because she was blind before she went missing yeah and there's a nice well first off hey it's herschel from the walking dead that was my first thought um and then, oh, abel the dad is that yeah, herschel from the walking yeah dead? He's, okay. he's herschel um he's probably in other stuff as well and i've just disrespected a, a, an elder statesman of the acting profession by being like hey you're in that tv series uh, well i've i've never seen the walking dead but i was recommended to watch it while i'm on my exercise bike because you know obviously i'll probably be riding away from zombies but yeah so maybe maybe i'll maybe that'll be good motivation it's not that good um <laughs> <laughs> uh every every like they do the, the 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 genius thing which hopefully the oa won't do where like every every series the first episode is really good and the last episode is really good and everything in the middle is just filler um and mm. they and that's enough to carry that somehow carry them through to 1400 seasons or whatever the walking dead is on now well um, on, aren't they on to aren't they on to spin-offs now as well probably yeah I and I, I'm, I i doubt they're any better uh to be honest <laughs> Sorry to the Walking Dead fans out there, but I'm not. I'm not one of you. Um, but yeah, so Herschel Herschel shows up, and there's a lovely, um, lovely moment uh, between uh, the OA and her mother, whose name is Nancy. Nancy. Yes. Abel and Nancy. Abel Nance. Um, <laughs> where um, you know she she sees her, doesn't recognize her, and then she feels her face and um, and recollects, uh, presumably having done this seven years ago or, or, or longer ago than that and recognizes her that way which is quite quite touching i thought yeah you know that was that was nice and there's a few moments like that as well when we get into the house i just i just want to say this popped into my head probably shouldn't say it filthy mind of mine um for some reason when i was watching this episode and um they they said our daughter is prairie or whatever right as whenever i heard the name prairie i haven't watched your way for a while now you know i've seen the whole thing a couple of times but i know i haven't watched the whole thing for a while 
But the name Prairie just threw into my mind again. Have you seen Have you seen the film Rat Race with John Lovitz? Oh, a long time ago. But yes, right. there's there's a moment where he's driving around down down the highway, and his daughter needs to go to the toilet, and he's like. We'll, we'll stop at the next uh, the next gas station or whatever. And she goes, but dad, I'm prairie dogging. Oh, that's disgusting. I don't remember that bit, but yes. That is disgusting. Uh, and that's what jumped into my mind when I when I, when I heard her name was Prairie, when I heard the name Prairie again. I don't know why well, I'm... New listeners to the to the After Dark, Dark podcast will be pleased to know that there is some there is some class on this podcast because my yeah. first thought during this bit uh, was uh, that I was reminded of our discussions about Room from uh, last week. Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, I know I had that as well. Yeah, so well, you know, you've already said what you thought about, so you know, we've laid our <laughs> we've laid our stall out here. <laughs> yeah, you thought about like a, a Academy worthy, critically acclaimed <laughs> film, whereas I thought thought of a little girl try, try you know trying not to go to the toilet in the car yeah exactly so you know different strokes for different folks here on the after dark <laughs> podcast um and none of them are wrong <laughs> but yeah I, I don't yeah exactly um but no i definitely got room vibes with like the the press uh surrounding the car as they're yeah. as they're like driving home um and um yeah i i, I sensed a, a visual metaphor with her coming in with the sheet over her as uh as she's she's walking into the house obviously there's like practical reasons for that as well like but i think yeah, exactly. Like it's similar to what you were saying with her being kind of shot voyeuristically through the through the telephone in the first scene. Mm-hmm. Like there is there's this kind of reinforced theme of uh, the OA being viewed uh, with a degree of separation from the world around her. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. She also does. You, you talked about the mother feeling the face, and you know that's how she got it. She also puts her toes into the carpet, and that's how she knows she's home. Yeah, um, it reminded me of Die Hard actually that bit, like where the guy, <laughs> the guy in the plane in Die Hard tells him to take his shoes off and bunches, uh, make his uh, toes into fists on the carpet, and then you get a real close up of the OA's really fucked up feet, uh, which yeah, because she hit the water with her feet. Yeah, I, I'm surprised she can even walk, to be honest. Like if you fell, what is presumably you know a hundred feet or so, or something, or um, and and landed feet first, I would have thought your legs would be broken, but I guess not. Well, yeah, exactly. So obviously they're really badly bruised up and she she was resting for three days at this point um i guess we yeah. don't know how high the bridge was yeah we don't know yeah well, like, it was literally three feet high <laughs> yeah, she just she if just really hurt happened. first <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah she's just got she's very she bruises like a peach our prairie that's yeah. what she does yeah. um yeah okay so uh let's see uh then so this crowd outside the, outside the home as you say it's very similar to Room. There was a few things that actually were very similar to Room. Also, the theme within this episode of the the parents uh, being advised by doctors to treat her a certain way, yeah, um, and the way she deal, the way they view her dealing with it, uh, is very like Room as well. Mm. Um, and that, 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 I think that'll come back a time and time again as we go, we sort of venture into that. Um, and there are certain questions that pop up around that, like sort of her mental state and everything like that as well. Which, well, which obviously, uh, and we get the in the following scene, we get the um, a theme from Room where the authorities um, yeah. don't really treat her. I, I, I guess I wouldn't say they don't treat her with the sensitivity. Actually, no, I will say that because the, one of those police officers is just a straight up dick. Um, they don't treat her with the sensitivity her situation requires, but they also just don't grasp uh, the gravity. Of or, or not even the gravity, just the just the meaning of what she is saying. I think, um, mm-hmm. and and that's you know that's something that's very similar to Room as well. Yeah, so she's been interviewed by the police. She she says that she's been gone for seven years, three months, eleven days, um, which is a long time. Yeah. Uh, she walked so when she when she first 
escaped or whatever happened to her, she uh, walked for days. An old woman picked her up, took her to a place where she said there was lots of people. Um, and then she said that she, she, she wanted to leave there and then she tried to get back. The police officer then questions her and says, mm. well, back home mm. or back to the people, well, back to the place you were kept captive, captive. And that was very much alluded to that, yes, she was trying to get back to the place she was kept captive. Mm. Yeah, and there's, um, there's this recurring idea of her trying to get back somewhere that is expanded upon as the episode goes on. Um, and... It's very vague at this point, um, mm-hmm. but I think I think by the end of it, I had an by the end of this episode, I had what I think is a fairly solid idea of what she's talking about. Um, though we shall we shall see when we get there. Okay, um, yeah, and also like she did say, uh, we had died more times than I can count. I think that's probably going to come into something you're thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so we then get a little bit more for sort of fleshing out maybe a little bit of where she was i suppose because she starts talking to the camera um and looking looking for homer she's talking about this guy called homer she's looking for him um she goes onto google and she sort of goes into her computer did you notice that there was like the audio prompts because she's blind on the computer yes yeah that was that was a nice touch um and there's a lot there's quite a lot of nice um nice touches in this scene actually so the fact that they're using they still have a video camera and they still Mm -hmm. have quite an old mac to me sort of and i believe this is set in more or less present day for when this was made um but um to me implies that the the parents haven't really moved on or developed at all since since she went missing you know this mac is is about a decade old at this point um and i found it very funny that she just searches into google for homer which is that's not going to get you anywhere (laughs) oh you're gonna have to work a little bit harder than that i'm afraid she must have seen the simpsons grow up yeah come on come on you like (laughs) yeah i I don't care where you were the simpsons was on television you can't miss it yeah but uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the Homer is. Uh, we'll find out by the end of this episode who who Homer is. Um, the repetition of that name and the the implication of the relationship between the OA and Homer is 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 repeated often throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think it's by coincidence uh, that this character is named after the author of the Iliad and the Odyssey, um, a a story about a character who goes missing for ten years trying to find their way home. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's nothing there. I feel like that name is quite purposefully chosen, to be honest. Um, I, I, I like um, the one other thing I'll say about this scene as well. In the the use of the video camera to record her messages to Homer makes me. I, I guess, like by the end of this episode, we kind of know what she's doing with them. But seeing the video camera, um, at, at, like seeing this old video camera at this point made me think like how how is she communicating this to homer like is she posting these videos mm. to him or something i will the way i read this like the first time i watched it um and and i was reminded of that watching it again was i just felt like it was like her diary you know what i mean she's yeah. sort of like treating homer as a place to to put her thoughts uh or maybe maybe she's recording them thinking that she'll somehow get them on online for later on we like we later on we'll talk about it, but we only showed her uploading one video, so I would assume yeah. that we, I don't know what's what's going on here. What's going well, it's, on? It's it's slightly damning for someone who uh, is attempting to to make a serious go at uploading videos to YouTube. That my mind didn't go to uploading videos to YouTube. It's like what's like I, I was like, was she going to post them? What's happening here? Can can he, <laughs> can he somehow can he somehow re- like read the digital signal mentally, like telepathically, like on the? I, I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah yeah youtube you just forgot youtube existed there yeah, for a minute yeah i just i just completely <laughs> went out of my head what's the streaming 
things. Actually, well, I, I think I may have said this. You uh, can't just upload things to Netflix. No. What's he doing? <laughs> I, I may have said this on the on this podcast at some point in the past, but I'm, it bears repeating. I remember, I'm old enough to remember when YouTube kind of came up and mm. I uh, there was a competing video site, which I don't believe exists anymore, called thatvideosite.com. <laughs> and I remember swearing blind to several of my friends that thatvideosite.com was going to be the one to win in the in the sort of video on demand wars. And here we are, a mere, <laughs> a mere 16 years later, and uh, and it's probably not hosted anymore. I don't know what happened to that website. But um, yeah, so that that's why I don't, my mind doesn't immediately go to YouTube. when Maybe, I maybe see- if it's still gone, we should upload this to there as well. Oh yeah, we'd make millions. <laughs> we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back. <laughs> uh, all right. Also, that scene ends with... Um, her she finds like a box cutting knife like a stanley knife yeah and uh she opens it up and we've already seen it start where she tried to kill herself um and the mom comes and interrupts uh with a little bit of a a musical stinger as well while she does that yes um just so what do you think do you think if the mom didn't come in there she would have just tried tried to do it or what what do you think i i think so yeah i i think this i think this is a character well i mean she said she's died over and over again yeah um i i don't think that death i don't think i think there is such a thing as death in this world um but i i think that getting close to it is is what it, what she's trying to achieve here and i think she would have i think she would have tried to do it had her mother not not intervened okay cool right okay so we then get introduced her, her mom and her go out for a walk in in an abandoned or an unfinished housing development mm. and we get introduced a fair bit away from him at this point, but we get introduced to Steve, uh, Steve Winchell, and he is doing backflips on top of an abandoned house. Yeah, and I, this will um, this will come back to bite me, but I have to be honest for for the listeners for the sake of transparency. The first thing I wrote here was Steve seems pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Doing, filming an episode of Jackass on top of a roof. Like, yeah. I will like, say about Steve, uh, I, I got the impression of him like he's like one of those kids, you know, who just like runs and jumps over a tiny ledge and goes parkour. Yeah, yeah but that, there is strong douchebag parkour guy energy to Steve. I will say. Yeah, um, and I think this might actually be where we hear Prairie's last name for the first time. Yeah, yeah Prairie um, Stevens, I think they might say her surname is. I can't remember. But yeah, Johnson. That... Johnson. Oh, Johnson. Okay. Yeah, you didn't go generic name. enough. You didn't go <laughs> generic enough. <laughs> yeah. This is when I'm exposed that I just wasn't paying attention, just guessed. Like, listen. <laughs> Stevens? Yeah. It's like the guy's name Steve. Stevens. Um, <laughs> okay, so from there... We're thrust directly into a scene which I had to divert my son's eyes for. Oh, Hachi Machi. Hachi Machi. This is a... Very know, explicit. Bit of sex with Steve, let's say. <laughs> Might not be the last time we get we get a segment of sex with Steve. No. Uh, yeah, so... This, he's, he's, yeah, very, very explicit. I was like, you know, at first it was just like, okay, it's just a sex scene. You know, I, I, you know, I know I've been around the block a few times. I know how these things go. And then, and then it just keeps on going. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, fine. <laughs> this is the kind of show we're dealing with yeah uh it is it is this, this is i've actually i've actually uh tricked you into watching a softcore porn show oh, finally uh, finally the after dark <laughs> podcast arrives in my in my genre wheelhouse the after dark podcast after dark yeah after dark <laughs> podcast colon nights yeah <laughs> saxophone <laughs> 
All right, okay. So basically, um, what I thought was great about this, when they finished, Steve goes straight in trying to impress her with his stunt videos. Oh, my God. the stunt videos? But she she literally, this is, this. she says a line that is like something out of fucking Napoleon Dynamite here. She literally says the phrase, you have skills in regards to his jackass videos. You got skills. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) what are you talking about? Like, he's doing handstands on a roof. He's not going to get a job doing this. Have have some higher standards. Is it Jay, this this character's name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was so funny. I was laughing at... Yeah, you got got some sweet skills. (laughs) Let me just say as well, he's doing all those... This is how you know Steve's heart's truly in those jackass-style videos. Because he... He's doing them, flips on the roof, risking his life, and he didn't even use, he didn't even like really use those to, to get with this girl. He didn't ask her what she thought until after they'd already no. had sex. No, he, like, he, he, Steve's mind seems to operate on a very a kind of here and now basis. Like, he's done with sex, time to go back to my stunt videos. <laughs> like, <laughs> he can't think about two things at once, so he'll shut down. Um, as evidenced by the fact that they appear to be having sex in front of an open ground floor window, uh, which, uh, like, when the, when the camera kind of pulls back from it, it's like, oh, and then, well, and they're out, the characters are out of the way because they're done having sex. It's just like, wow, that seems like it's the ground floor, and you're just just right there i would assume it's not the ground floor due to it being a double two-story house not many two-story houses have bedrooms on the ground floor but that is is true i i've been in a couple but um yeah the the i i'm not i'm not going to criticize the show for this but it did make me laugh (laughs) that uh, at the end of this scene um we get like the first of the first of a few tropes in this show where where we are made to realize that of course the overly macho character has like kind of uh, self what am, I, what am I trying to say? Confidence issues, self-confidence issues, and an unhappy home life. Who could have possibly <laughs> predicted that this character would have would have that? Yeah, this like Steve is a physical manifestation of teenage angst. Yeah, very <laughs> like, much so. Like we get we get him. Uh, well, actually, he's been he's told that he, he has a really nice body mm. and he smells good, uh, which is good to hear. You know, any any young yeah. boy would love to hear that. It's always it's great to the, get a compliment. It's the rest of him that's the problem. Yeah, it's just like the whole kind of id. And like yeah. the, the personality part, his whole being, you know, his yeah, whole his being soul. is just—it's it's not, it's, it's not he's got a bad scratch. soul. Steve is, what yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a nice body, smells good. Although he's good at punching walls. Um, and I, I love not, not according to his dad, he isn't. No, his da- I love how his dad comes in and just goes like his first thing. His dad says already shows the disconnect between yeah. like what his dad feels about his son and his property. You yeah. know, why is there a hole in my wall? Yeah, you know, it's. It's, Can, yeah, they, I, they don't appear to have a good relationship, these two. How do you think, like, Conrad, as a man who grew up in a house where the fridge in your house was very much your mum's fridge, not your fridge, how does that make you feel? Is that realistic, you think? Um, I'm trying to think. When, like, I, when, you... I, when I was like 16, I put a few holes in walls uh, with like PS4, or it wouldn't have been PS4, it would have been like PS2 controllers when I got pissed off playing like Pro Evolution Soccer. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> So that's the, to be honest, this is probably a conversation that my dad had with me at various points, but I, I, they, I don't think they were ever quite as as blunt um, about it. And and my parents, I don't think would have would have. I, I think my my parents would have been a lot more awkward if I had a girl in my room uh, <laughs> than just like walking in. I can't actually remember where Jay goes. Does she climb out the window or something, or does she just walk out? I think she. I don't think she goes out the window. No, but she's just she still in the room while her dad's she... uh, while his dad's complaining about the hole in the wall. No, no, she's gone. But then. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I, she sneaks out. I think she just goes. Yeah. 
but yeah, I, I, I think my my parents would have complained about this kind of more passive aggressively than than Steve's dad. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, you said you said about you putting holes in the wall with PlayStation controls. There was one time when I used to live in, still lived in Australia. In Australia, houses are timber frame with with brick uh, on the outside a lot of them anyway um some of them are just pure timber but we had timber frames so therefore the walls like the, the stud walls inside are properly just plasterboard and uh whereas over in ireland anyway the walls very a lot of the walls are proper concrete walls mm. um just to keep the heat in but um not all the time newer houses though but anyway so we me and my brother were wrestling on on the top of the stairs like at the landing very dangerous very precarious we were we were sort of steves you know we, we were on, living on the edge didn't have a video camera out weren't doing it for anyone else we were just doing it for fun <laughs> uh but basically we were wrestling and uh i had him in a headlock or whatever and then he went to punch me in the stomach and i dodged it by like sort of throwing my body backwards and my ass went right through the wall <laughs> And I just remember being like, "Oh my god!" And my like ass was in, it was in it was in the wall, and I like just like s- slowly brought it out, and then just looked around, and there's just like an ass shaped hole in the wall. <laughs> so That's went, great. went down and told my dad, and then uh, I remember he he patched it up and put re- like replastered it. But then, because like it was upstairs in the hallway, and there was like five different bedrooms or something in our house in Australia up the top, so the hallway was really long around, and like sort of there was so much painting to be done. So my dad just replastered the wall and then painted that wall a different color. <laughs> it was a feature wall. It was a feature Classic. wall. Yeah, yeah, it gives yeah. it some personality. Exactly. Yeah, but that, that was that was my best. That's uh, so funny. Hole, that's a, that's a, a great way to put a hole in a wall. I uh, yeah. I once. Um, me and my friends like realized we weren't going to get out. this is an awful story actually i probably shouldn't admit to this on air because it, it's probably slightly illegal but we realized we weren't going to get a deposit back for our university flat uh so we ended up like <laughs> kicking a hole in one of the walls <laughs> oh my god which was very satisfying but it was like the bit you know i haven't seen it in a long time you know the bit in Pinocchio. <laughs> well you know the bit in pinocchio where they like come to the house and it's full of like young teenage boys who were just wrecking the fucking house like <laughs> yeah. that's what it felt it was it was like it was like um uh lord of the flies just just it, it like the animal instinct took over and <laughs> i have to say any any of our listeners who are sort of still university age or younger do not do that no do not <laughs> kick a hole in your wall because i did end up having to pay for it and it was very expensive so like <laughs> it's not I get, do it. Do as I say, not as I do, or don't do yeah. anything that I say. To be honest, just so you learnt, you learnt your lesson very quickly there. Um, yes. Anyway, back to the away. So we, we <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're here for. Uh, so just before we end end this uh, sex with Steve segment, um, his dad mentions the word bully. So uh, you yeah. know, surprise, surprise, this ball of angst who's punching walls is also bullying people at school. Apparently, yeah. Um, who could have predicted that? A young Biff Tamlin. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Prairie uh, is speaking using the diary, as we said. Yeah. Um, we also find out that our internet use has to be monitored. Um, yes. Makes yeah, sense to me. I, I don't. Like, it's odd to me. Maybe maybe this is standard uh, practice, and I'm just I'm just ignorant of it. But the level of police involvement with her after this, and the level of monitoring uh, that the hospital want to do of her, seems at odds with what actually happened. You know, she tried to kill like what, or from the outside looking in she's tried to kill herself so obviously there does need to be some monitoring there the idea of monitor like really really carefully regulating internet use and the fbi getting involved seems odd to me as if as if maybe no well she's been she's been a she's been a prisoner i guess she has been missing seven years that's right and i I think the fbi probably involved because they want 
they want her to start speaking about where she was. Yeah, I know? guess that, that that's true. I hadn't, I hadn't sort of put two and two together on that one. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so then she goes uh, out for a little escapade into the into the uh, housing development, which is unfinished. <laughs> yeah, the search for Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. Where am I going to go to for a search for Wi-Fi? This abandoned house. Yeah, I know. Uh, this abandoned house. That looks like there's going to be a router in there. Which, to be fair, <laughs> as it turns out, <laughs> yeah, she was right to do so. Yeah. <laughs> so she go she goes into the into the house. Um, timber frame inside, very very sparse. There's there's a few fellas in there. Yeah. Um. She goes upstairs. It seems like Steve's a bit of a drug dealer as well. Yeah, I, I think th- this episode will go down as the Ballad of Steve because uh, in in the fifth scene where you first see him doing hands down the roof, I wrote down Steve seems cool, and then here, not three <laughs> scenes later, my first note is Steve seems less cool now. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, selling drugs. Uh, he's got a big big dog. Yeah, uh, big lit- some Bernard, I think. No, it's not some Bernard. It's no, a, it's a, a Rottweiler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he literally demands, like, he literally orders it to attack. Yeah, uh, I lo- that was so funny. It was like, attack! <laughs> was like, yeah. what, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. how, why are you training your, your domestic dog to attack, like, to respond yeah. to that word? You can't, you can't, no one can catch him selling paracetamol. That's the thing. He's like the drug dealer. Have you ever watched the trailer park boys? Yeah. He's like the drug, the drug dealer. I can't remember what his name is. It's the, it begins with a J. Like, um, but he's like the drug dealer out of trailer park boys. Just like this absolute low level dumbass of a drug dealer. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, he's, he's basically, he, he sends it to attack. Prairie bites it herself. Yeah. She's like an, a magical animal handler. She just, she absolutely subdues it. I really thought she was going to pull out the crocodile Dundee fingers. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, she might have done it. We might have just not seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She did whisper something in its ear after as well. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. She, you... she she soothed it like um like uh, Aragorn sorting out that horse in Two Towers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, is this the first time? Whenever they say, uh, you know, so Steve goes, "You're Prairie Johnson." Um, or I think maybe Jesse said you're your Pro Johnson. Anyway, yeah, it was Jesse. She says I'm the OA. Is this the first time we hear her say that, or have we heard this previously? Uh, no, she says it in the first scene with the nurse. She says, I'm "Oh, the of OA. course, yes, I've, um, we already talked about that." Yeah, but, but she uh, says, "I'm yeah. the OA." Um, we've got a very like we've got a full of comedy. I'm the OA coming up. Uh, <laughs> let me just tell you, there's one that made me laugh out loud. Yeah. Uh, right. So, um, anything else to say about that uh, sort of um, Rottweiler scene? Just that she ends up with a sweet tank top at the end of it and makes an absolute fool out of Steve, which I was very much there for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve, Steve uh, is quick, quickly going down in estimations oh, after yeah. his his heroic start. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, she's in the bath now. Um, we find out that her mum has watched the videos on the camera. Now, maybe yeah. while she was out of the house, the mum like for the walk to go and see Steve about a router. Maybe maybe the mum saw the video there. Um, I thought there was an interesting little line here, which maybe sparked your ears up, Conrad. Uh, the mum said, um, "Are you hearing voices again?" Yeah. So the there does seem to be an implication here that there is some depression or or, or potential potentially like suicidal thoughts in her past um, that weren't related to. Where, where she kind of seems to be now mentally which is far mm-hmm. a far more kind of like pragmatic approach to getting back to where she's been potentially through uh some kind of near-death experience which we'll go into a bit more probably towards the end of the episode um so i wonder if they are going to kind of deal with those uh deal with those emotions and themes while also investigating the the kind of weird 
um, I guess like existential sci-fi stuff that that appears to be the direction we're heading in here. Um, yeah. That that would be an interesting thing for them to do. Okay, cool. Um, she also says quite realistically, in my opinion, um, it also maybe shows that she is a bit more grounded than everyone around her thinks she is. She says. Uh, it would hurt me to hurt you uh, in terms of talk, talking to her mom. Just give me some time. Very, very res- res- responsible thing to say. It made me think, actually, maybe she's, she doesn't have the screws loose that they all think she does. No, I mean, she doesn't. I don't think she's portrayed as someone who is mentally unstable at mm. all. Um, and I, I, I think that's why that's part of why this episode works, I think, because she's talking a lot of nonsense but because she's because her characterization is such that she seems rational and stable, it mean it, it make it convinces you as a as a viewer that what she's saying is the truth um, yeah. and that she should be listened to. Um, mm-hmm. There was also just before we go off this scene, there was one. This is this is a really dumb. So if, if people are joining us for the OA, like sometimes I get infatuated with little kind of elements of the of the visual design of, of, of a yeah. shot or, or a scene. There was an absolutely phenomenal bit of blocking in this in this scene where she's sitting up and her mother's sitting kind of um, across from her on the edge of the bath talking to her, and then she she slides back into the bath and. The, like so you know she's moving and the camera is moving with her and the blocking of her mother is such that her leg still blocks her breasts from being exposed so she's still she's still like you know not not seen to be naked which i was like that is great blocking to nail that in the shot while you're moving a camera and the actress is moving at the same time um eagle-eyed was... conrad was looking for mistakes there let me say oh yeah i was i was i was, I was <laughs> leaning forward like oh. uh i wasn't i apologize for that, <laughs> for that Jay. but um yeah i was very impressed by the blocking in, in that scene yeah yeah um okay so yeah well that's that's what something that i was going to say this show is is very sort of the style they've gone for in this first episode and it does carry through most of this first season as well it's very sort of independent film patient sort of get into a character even like the score is very subtle um Mm. until the end when we'll talk about where it's very it swells up a lot when she sort of goes into the tale um but it's very much you know, let the story, let the dialogue speak for itself, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's 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 quite understated in the way it's presented. Yeah. It has um, we we've gone past it now, but that second scene where uh, the OA is recording a video to Homer, and it's this kind of um, like soft hued, pink coloured um, close up of her recording underneath the sheets, which is very mm. very reminiscent of a lot of like indie rom- romantic dramas. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a shot that's been done a lot, which is not a criticism of it, but it's. I feel like that is kind of the tone that they are trying to strike, like this almost sort of slightly whimsical kind of nostalgic tone. Um, mm. So I'll be really interested to see where they where they go with that, or if they if they re reemploy it later in the uh, in the show. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Then wouldn't you know this ball of angst that is Steve, he's mu- this muscle bound freak who just sits in his room all day and just does weights. Yeah. He's he's a lover of music. He. <laughs> <laughs> he loves well, he, music. He loves music now that he knows that the girl who won't date him is in chorus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, there was a real like American Pie moment here, like shoop shooby doo doo <laughs> Yeah, magic. You know. <laughs> he also he makes uh, an enemy of the um, lacrosse playing member of his gang by the looks of things as well, which I was very like, oh, don't fuck with lacrosse players. I went to I went to college with a lot of them. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, when lacrosse. I was in when I was in boarding school, there were there were we had like several oh. several lacrosse teams, um, and yeah, they were that that is a, a particularly like I, I don't know if actually 
I don't know if there were boys lacrosse teams, but there were definitely a lot of a lot of uh, girls lacrosse teams, and they were always vicious as hell. I used to watch them play, and it'd be like, this is like a this is essentially a blood sport, is what lacrosse is. Yeah, well, you know, we've got American Pie Choir, we've got the lacrosse. This is basically a bit of American Pie, uh, a yeah. pie going on here. Um, but anyway, it's like Steve's so desperate for a friend that this new kid comes in, he sees hears him singing, and, he's, and he goes straight over to him and goes, "Hey, hey, I can be your friend." And he's like, yeah, but the thing is, you're a homophobe. Uh... <laughs> yeah, which is a reasonable criticism, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's only been there. Rather than be introspective and be like, oh, maybe I should change, you know, who I am as a person. He just punches him in the throat instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so Steve actually treats like people who accuse him of being a bigot or homophobe. He treats them the same way as he treats him in his bedroom wall. Just <laughs> yeah. throws his fist through him. Yeah, there's not, um, a, not a problem that Steve's met that he can't solve by by hitting it really hard. Yeah. I think like we're safe to say at this point, we've got enough evidence under about Steve's got some issues. Yeah, this is uh, chapter three in the Ballad of Steve um, saga <laughs> here, uh, where I've got in my notes, seems, Steve, so we've gone from Steve seems cool to Steve seems less cool to Steve seems like he sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like, so yeah. So Steve he's on the is downward not, trend now. He's on a downward trend. I mean, like his parents think the best thing to do is to send him away to a military school. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. That's that, that's that seems to be uh, uh just talk to him. Just talk, just talk to your son. Maybe pretend like the war you don't have to admit it. You don't have to really believe it, but pretend the walls in his room are his maybe. Um that he yeah. has some part of he's part of the family. He yeah, owns something in the world. Yeah, he's yeah. got ownership. Maybe make him feel like he has a place in the world. And he, yeah, anyway, we'll not get into that. Uh, we'll talk about that later on when it comes to the parent-teacher meeting. Do you want a sweet memento to remind you of all those good times you've had listening to the After Dark podcast? Well, how about pick up a t-shirt with the brand new design by my wife, Ema? It depicts Conrad and I going into the cave. What will we get up to next? Link in the description. So yeah. uh, basically, uh, we now go to the point where St- Steve thinks, you know what, this new OA Prairie, I've got something, I've, I've got a wee quid pro quo for her. <laughs> and he goes yeah. and says, right, okay, here's your, here's your internet, I need your help. Um, and they sort of, they, they scheme and he, so he sort of, first of all, they go shopping. They yeah. go shopping. Shopping! Uh, and uh, do this little thing. Prairie was talking about how sort of, he is what she imagines Homer was as that as a young man that age, and that sort of and then there's like sort of a little moment while they're shopping where she looks through up while getting changed and sort of smiles at him. She's sort of she's sort of a bit um, sort of she's almost like she's reminiscing of a relationship with this fellow Homer while she, while she's with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they went shopping. What do you think? I I felt. So I, I, I'll, I'll lay my cards out here. Like I enjoyed this first episode. I thought it was thought it was decent. This is the part of the episode that I really didn't like, and I felt like there was a scene missing between the previous scene and this one. Mm. I, I felt like the, there was a huge leap in Steve and the OA's relationship from "I'm sicking my attack dog on you." And you're running off, having subdued it. To I'm climbing in your window like Harvey and Sabrina for us to get up to some hijinks. <laughs> I, I would. I think there needs to be another scene in there where they find some kind of mutual understanding or like the the, the spark of a mutual respect or relationship between each other that gets them to this point. So I, I really felt like I felt like there was a big jump here, and it, it gave me a bit of kind of um, like narrative whiplash. Like I was a bit like, oh, okay, fine, right, we're friends now, are we? Like, wh- where's this come from? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm also I was very into Steve referencing when he brings her the the, the router um, referencing strangers on a train. I did not have Steve pegged as a watcher of Hitchcock movies, to be honest. <laughs> like, um, so keep surprising you. <laughs> yeah, he caught me off guard. So I'll give him that. That's a, that's a couple of points in Steve's favor. Um, the invisible self stuff is interesting. Yeah. Uh, that feels like it's probably going to be quite poignant. Uh, in terms of where where this show is going um that this idea of the person that we don't present outwardly but who actually is our is our core being i'd be interested to see if that comes back because obviously steve is a character Mm -hmm. who represses a lot of feelings and just um and and, and they are replaced with anger essentially outwardly because he can't be who he wants to be um I thought it was okay though. The, the, the shopping trip was was kind of fun. I would have enjoyed it a lot. I, I think, like taken as it's presented, it, it, it's it's fine, and I I thought it was okay. I would have enjoyed it a lot more if there had been that establishing scene to convince me that these two were actually anywhere close to being friends, rather than just like like the person who sicked his dog on her. Yeah, but they're all. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there probably needed to be something like that just for the viewers. Uh... Uh, experience but like they also are both seem to be quite damaged immature people um yeah. who yeah I, to- I, I totally believe there's a there's a potential for a relationship there mm-hmm. i just they need to they needed to establish it a bit better i thought yeah but also, I, I do i do buy it though when i first watched this my head was like well steve seems pretty stupid um <laughs> is, he as stu- is he as stupid as a dog did she just wrangle him like she wrangled the dog yeah, that's true. Maybe, maybe um, in a in a scene off off camera, uh, she just bit him like she bit the dog. <laughs> yeah. and like, no, stop it! And like, kind of pushed his head down into the ground, and then and then he he accepted her as the as the dominant uh, animal in the pack, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Also, there's also the idea of like you know they're both like going down on the bike to the shopping center, both thinking we're both taking advantage oh, of each other. Yeah, there is that that's that shot in particular was a bit. I was like, it's a bit of a jump for them to go from I'm sicking my dog on you to I'm we're going on a whimsical bike ride uh, <laughs> to the Give, mall. Giving him a give, giving him yeah, a giving her a backy. Yeah, giving her a dink. <laughs> yeah, giving her a dink. Yeah, like a word where she's uh, that's a reference for, to an older episode of the After Dark podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's a goddamn it's from. E- tea or something but uh yeah, yeah. But, but it was fun it's always fun to have a little shopping montage yes yeah, montage okay montage, so but... she goes undercover she's uh into the parent teacher meeting we mm. get phyllis from the office jumping oh, in yeah was it the office I, I was trying to place her and i was like oh i think she was in parks and rec but um no she's yeah, in think, the office yeah um, I think you're right. so she was phyllis um phyllis in the office her name's phyllis smith in real life the actress she plays oh, okay. elizabeth or betty Broderick Allen, and she will become known in the, in the show as BBA. Um, okay. And I don't. I think. I think this show came out after The Force Awakens, so <laughs> BB-8 is. Uh, so, so was, I, I think. I think this show came out after. So BB-8 had it first. But okay. anyway, B- so BB-8. they've stolen JJ Abrams' adorable droid name for this character, who is very similar in many ways. Much more adorable, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So basically, uh, <laughs> Prairie or the OA goes on a huge like tie. Like this, see, as a teacher, this is my worst yeah. fear of a parent-teacher meeting. I I was gonna right. So you're a teacher. My my read of this was if if a parent came in and had the absolute nerve to be like, well, listen, yeah, my child may have punched a kid in the throat, but really, what's happening here is you've lost your love for the for the craft, and that's affecting yeah. my boy. My read of this was, if I was a teacher and a parent came and said that to me, 
uh, my response would be, uh, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> right? So uh, as a teacher, what, what is your read of this? Well, my, my, my read of this is obviously I'm not going to get anything. Any, I'm not gonna, even going to mention things that I've experienced in the past no, because no, it's, just no. not, it's just not my place. But, but, but I will say that these conversations of losing a spark for teaching or who, do you, who are you really trying to help as a teacher and what was your purpose for getting into teaching are good questions. And there are questions that teachers should always be thinking about um, in terms of who you should focus your attention on, like who needs your help, who are you actually trying to help. Having said that, they are reflection points for a teacher to have throughout their career. They are not thing, uh, questions that should be posed in a meeting where a, 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 where a pupil is being reprimanded for physical harm on another pupil. Yeah, that is on. It's, it's just it's just it's just a no go. That is that there's it shows no responsibility on behalf of the the parent. It's not it's not a parent in this regard. Mm. But if if that was the case, my as a teacher, I would yes, I would be always thinking about those questions anyway. But I would be thinking to myself, no wonder this boy is punching because yeah. it doesn't seem to be much responsibility being being taken in this family, you know. Yeah, and I think that that's like, I I didn't buy, I don't think I bought um, the 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 teachers um, the teachers response to this to 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 even be remotely interested in in uh, what the oa was saying here um, it, well it's... i think the difference is the difference is conrad i don't feel like i've disconnected from teaching in that way a yeah. teacher of this age who maybe has feels like this, the wheels are spinning at this point um and like the wheels are spinning in their life and they're just sort of on the ride now maybe maybe she missed out on a few promotions and she thinks you know what what is my career now i, I can completely see someone being so disaffected later in your career that maybe a these questions would bring this um, out of her. I don't yeah. think that's unrealistic, but I think it has to be a very, it would be a very, you know, special case yeah, to I, act that I, way to a parent. I think it's more, it's what you were saying. Like, I think it's the setting that these questions are posed mm -hmm. that doesn't seem believable to me. I think this is obviously like quite a tense setting. I don't buy that any teacher would listen to these points in this kind of setting. Cause as you said, it just smacks of the, this parent is not taking responsibility for their child's actions. Um, but I think that aside, I found the dimensions falling apart stuff that, that mm. uh, the OA slips into. And in fact, I, I haven't got her name down, but um, the, the lead is, um, is Brit fantastic. Marling. Brit Marling. Yeah, that's it. Like, she, and also the writer as well, I believe. Um, yeah, it's her and a fella called Zal Batmanglich. Yeah. Um, not a couple, although many people believe they are and want them to be, but they're not. Um, but yeah, they, they, they're the, he's the, it's a bit like, um, dark in a way. Like they, they both write it. Uh, and he's, he's the director and she's a star actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but, but she is brilliant in this and the way the dialogue slips between, there's this really interesting duality to her performance where she's talking she's trying she seems like she's trying to do the thing that steve has told her to do which is essentially get him off the hook for mm -hmm. punching a kid in the throat yeah but there's this there's this awareness she appears to have of something that exists beyond what we see in front of us beyond the mundane that she slips into very naturally and then slips back out of and yeah. it's it's this really kind of fascinating uh double speak uh, I, I, I guess double speak is not really the right phrase for it because that implies it's slightly duplicitous. It, I don't think she's doing it dishonestly. She's just, she seems like she's exasperated and frustrated with the fact that Steve has what seems like a potential that she recognizes or something, mm -hmm. something bigger than himself that he could achieve if only 
the the world around him wasn't as screwed up as it is um which is really interesting to watch and i think i I came back to that again and again through this episode even though there are moments between characters that weren't really working for me i think brit marling's performance as the oa kept me hooked on on kind of the main through line of the episode yeah you're being hooked in by the main sort of mysteries in this main character which is Mm. to be honest with you probably the thing that if you're going to get hooked into something on the show, that's probably the best thing to be hooked in by. Yeah. Um, which which is good. Um, so I did like the the reveal. Uh, you know, he punched a kid in the throat. Uh, then... <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they just like reiterate that. Like he's not getting off that easy. He punched like, a kid in the throat, and and it's so funny actually. The the cut. I, I don't I don't know if you had any more to say on this scene, but the, the one cut more to... thing actually. One more okay. thing. Well, I was I was just going to say like I I thought it was absolutely hilarious that they went to all this trouble of like concealing her her identity she's the stepmother they've got new clothes and all and then at the very end they just go uh sorry i didn't know catch what's your first name i'm the oa <laughs> yeah, yeah just like, like steve face palms like off in the distance just like just yeah. say just say <clears throat> samantha or something like like just yeah. give a normal name um i yeah i, I found given i didn't really buy the 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 turnaround of the teacher in this scene i found it really funny in the next scene where she give where it's uh the, the teacher and steve in the classroom and she gives him a little wink and he yeah. gives a little smile and it's like it's like a, a john hughes movie from the 80s <laughs> like, everything's gonna be all right yeah every little thing yeah <laughs> i don't think it is to be honest yeah, yeah we'll, we'll wait and see um so uh she finds homer on we've talked about this a little bit she finds homer on the google um finds yeah. him uh, he, he had a, a near-death experience in a football match yeah um and she's wondering where is he yeah so uh, this this again is a return to this idea of near-death experiences or something to do with death allowing well th- this is someone we know that she's had a relationship with or that she very strongly believes she has had a relationship with and yet he's this american football kid in college uh, american football playing kid in college so I, I believe they say he was in a he was in a coma for um for some length of time mm-hmm. which yeah again just makes me think of this idea that that these these near-death experiences seem to coincide with these characters i don't know like kind of elevating beyond this plane of existence or something to some place where they can meet other people who exist in exist in that plane and that's kind of where my theory head was driving uh with this episode and it was getting more and more uh kind of focused on that as the episode went on okay interesting um so Steve gets her on the phone by telling the mum, it's the FBI. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love that her mum buys it as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she, she reiterates, we need five people in the abandoned house, midnight, strong. leave doors open. Yeah, they need to be strong. Leave the yeah. doors open. You yeah. Let her in. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Okay, obviously we'll get more, more of that later when it actually happens. But uh, BBA... Uh, meets mrs winchell we'll say in the shopping center yeah. uh i love that reveal that he didn't even have a stepmom like no. he, he, it's not even like she was posing as a di- like as his stepmom when he already had it's literally just his mom like yeah like and th- like that lie was not going to last long at all if like literally his parents are still together and they are in like they, they live in the same town they shop in the same store as his teacher like how long did steve realistically <laughs> think that lie was going to last I know. Well, that's, that's, that's Steve for you. That's Steve for you. Um, so, I love the little sort of moment in the house where all the parents are talking to each other. Steve's sitting there like mm. a little scolded boy, always on the, or on the uh, on the stairs, 
and uh, the mom, Steve's mom, goes, "What if this becomes sexual?" Yeah, it's, uh, I think I really liked. <clears throat> excuse me. She knows really, her son. That's what we'll say. Yeah, yeah, she does. Um, I, I, I really liked the characterization of her mother. I feel like in a very short space of time, we got a really good sense of the kind of character she is. I, I felt quite negative about her, to be honest. She seems like someone who is at her wit's end with her son's behavior and is looking mm-hmm. to blame someone else for that obviously what what the oa did isn't appropriate either but um but steve was the one who came up with the idea in fairness and i, I will say for steve here i didn't actually look up the name of the actor who plays him but we get a really nice little moment from him here where he's he's talking about uh like i just want someone on my side um mm-hmm. which it started to bring me back round on his character not completely a lot of the stuff he's done in this episode is pretty monstrous and he seems like a dickhead but there are there are some redeeming qualities under the surface there yeah i, I will say again as a teacher as a teacher uh, i will say the idea of steve being like i just want someone on my side for once um yeah that is realistic i suppose but it's also like in real life the pupil doesn't isn't really that good at diagnosing their own problem yeah that does seem uh, like you know, a script writer maybe writing that for the 17 year old boy rather than something a 17 year old boy would come up with yeah like 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 they obviously a lot of 17 year old boys and girls have issues that they, they don't they don't necessarily know why they have the issues yeah they're just balls of angst or even if they have real trauma in them as well yeah then it's not really something they can come to the conclusion of themselves all right okay so um during this time uh, the OA runs upstairs, records a video of her eye where she's asking people to come. Yeah, like and, get, uh, your, get your framing sorted, OA. Come on. I don't know. You gotta be arty. You gotta be arty. You gotta have <laughs> yeah. that, that little that little touch of the quirkiness, you know. But yeah. she's so she's she's holding it up on her eye, mm. and she says, um, like you know, come to this place at this time. She she mentions something of note where she says something about being on the edge of something. I don't. I can't remember the exact wording, but it's like if you're trying to transition from one thing to another, she mentioned something around that. I don't know yeah. if there's much to unpack there at the minute, but... I, I, I vaguely remember the line. I didn't actually write it down. I vaguely remember the line you're talking about, though. But again, it, it's this just idea of transcending beyond what you can see, beyond <clears throat> beyond the mundane that they, that they keep coming back to, I think. Uh, the reason why I wanted to mention that line is because the idea of like transitioning from one plane to another or whatever she was saying, something in those in that sort of conjured that image anyway um then we get a character of called buck who is um leaving the leaving uh his house and we have buck's dad call him michelle uh and the when the oa said on on the camera um you know when you when you're on one thing and you're trying to transition to another i thought to myself right okay so that's obviously this character's very clear transition that they're going through mm. um and it made me start thinking well what are the transitions of the rest of these characters what are they going to be going uh, okay. through okay i i didn't i didn't catch that actually the, the the that character's dad um they're calling them by calling them by a different name but that's yeah that is interesting then that does exactly that does totally pose that question you know what are the how are the rest of these characters kind of fit either physically or emotionally transitioning mm. to something else yeah, exactly. So we'll learn about more about all these characters going forward, obviously. Mm. Um, now, uh, we get the boys. I, I say the boys because the, the the boys and BBA will become to be known as the boys. You know what I mean? So yeah. when, whenever the OA finally gets her, her crew together, it's uh, Steve, Buck, a character called French, and then a character called Jesse. Um, is Jesse the lacrosse player? I bet Jesse's the lacrosse player. Jesse's the one with sort of hair past the the ears. Oh, okay, fine. So is that's French the lacrosse player? Is it? Yeah, I guess French must be the. That I would not have called that. Like Jesse to me sounds like a kind of jock lacrosse player name, but 
full, more full me for yeah, judging these characters. Yeah, exactly. You're judging them far too hard here. Yeah. Uh, French is a nickname, though, uh, okay. I would say. So if it was actually it's Alfonso Souza is his real name. Oh, okay. Um, which sounds yeah. much more like an athlete's name. But uh, basically, uh, and then obviously BBA, uh, Mrs. Broderick Allen, she comes in late. She saves the day. Uh, yeah. And she just comes in. I love. I love when she comes in. She goes. I love this actress. Like the way she delivers every line. You know. Yeah, I mean? she, she just comes. Kind of, very, very funny. I left my door open. You know? <laughs> yeah. Also, the 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 notion. Just to mention this now, the notion of having to invite her in. It's, mm. It seems to me like it's implying that she's a vampire. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. And I'm going to put that out here now. Well, you fans never of, know. Fans of the show will know that I like my horror movies and. I've seen enough vampire movies to know a vampire when I see one, folks. I'm smelling a lovely Conrad theory here. Yeah, the, the OA stands for the original... Fuck, I can't think of... And, uh, that, Hold um... that for the question. Um, think oh, yeah, think of a do. word for vampire. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Starting with go. A. <laughs> you well, actually, for me for the next if half you, hour. If, if you look at the actual... Uh, the way that they do the title on the poster, they don't put the cross in the A. It's So it's an upside-down V. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Original vampire? Shit. We've done it. <laughs> Already. Crack the code. Okay. Uh, all right. So um, they she sits them all down, has some candles going, and she starts telling them a story. Um, yes. The story is that she was born in Russia in 1987, and as she starts telling this story... The, the orchestral music mm. goes up. There's it's a choral piece of music. There's a load of drumming, strings. It really comes to life. The score at this at this moment. Yeah, well, um, I mean, the episode does. And, and like, to be honest, like this is really. I, I was kind of flagging a bit by this point in the episode. I was like, all right, I need something to happen here. And mm-hmm. to their credit, like something did happen. It re- the episode really kicks into another gear here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So at 57 minutes and 22 seconds, we get. Netflix presents. Yeah, uh, love a late into... title card. Love a late title card. And yeah, that's... like I, 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 felt like that. This whole first season is kind of like a really long film, yeah. and like proportionally in the season, this is where the the title would be in a film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, very much so. And it's it has that feeling of like right, prologue's done. Here we go. This is like we we we've kind of got our characters in the present day established. Now we're going into into uh, a flashback. Yep. Okay. So we'll just cover this flashback uh, quite quickly then, and see what your thoughts are on it. So basically, her mother died in childbirth. Her mother looked exactly like her, it seems, by the painting. Um, there, uh, she had nightmares, and uh, she had nightmares from a young age. She was not born blind. Nope. Um, to cure her nightmares, uh, the Russian Leonardo DiCaprio mm. put her in the ice. Uh, yes. Father of the Year award for him. Uh, the only way we fight the cold... <laughs> it, worked, no, it worked a treat. It worked a treat, let's be honest to him. Um, the only way to fight the cold is to become colder than it is. Um, which is a very, very uh, film-slash-TV view of Russians, is all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think that's fair. Uh, so what did you think of this setup of her, of, her, of her father and like sort of the wealthy, the new money, all that well, sort of stuff? Well, um, oh, actually, well, I'm going to make one small point before we go into this. Apparently, Brad Pitt produced this, which I don't know if it was mm-hmm. the Brad Pitt, but I was just a bit like, oh, that's interesting. Um, it was it was Bradley Pittles himself. Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, I mean, if we're dealing with vivid dreams and like kind of Russian post-fall of communism oligarchs in the 90s there's going to be some weird shit afoot and <laughs> and, and and as uh, as if by uh, as if on like schedule we we get some weird stuff so it seems like the 
there's a bunch of weird stuff in this to be honest so he does the thing <laughs> in the ice which seems like um child abuse <laughs> well it does seem like child abuse but it also seems like training based on what happens later like he he uh, as if almost as, as if, if he this, knew well as if this child is having a premonition of something mm. that is going to happen and he takes that premonition and interprets it as right i need to prepare my child for this situation mm. which mm-hmm. as it turns out seems to have been the right choice based on what what happens there is yeah, also yeah. I, I don't want to race too far ahead but there is a scene where they're drinking what looks like quail's eggs together and they drink an absolute shitload of them like they <laughs> they must have about 30 quail's eggs each it's, it's, it's like i know i think there's milk i think they're making like a, a, a raw I, eggnog i do not know what that was but i was like <laughs> that is a too many eggs that you're drinking there I she even mentioned when, when she was on the bus she mentioned something about the eggs weren't sitting well in her stomach yeah, yeah, no, surprised. no fucking had, doubt like. yeah. you're not supposed to drink 30 of them in a, in a go and, and, and it's just I, I literally i looked at that and i was like is this like supposed to be a comedy like what is that what are you what are you drinking there but um but yeah so that like what her dad is doing very much struck me as preparing her for what is to come um on on reflection for what happens i think and i don't know what to make of that milkshake scene it was just a weird scene <laughs> yeah like when the, i had to still get his home mid eggnog uh, where they, they didn't even they didn't even whisk them up like no, they just crack an egg in puts pour some brandy in a little bit of milk off we go yeah exactly it was it was a bit strange let's be honest uh so obviously uh then eventually the bus crashes um mm. she crashes uh she goes sort of swims out of the bus into this big light yeah it's a then, beautiful shot of like her escaping mm-hmm. escaping the bus in this really wide shot and uh, uh, swimming towards the light really 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 beautiful shot Yep, and then basically what happens is she uh, goes into this weird light room, mm. um, room, space, whatever you want to call it, and there is a woman who's speaking Arabic, interestingly, mm. um, talking to her, and she can understand what she's saying. Um, and basically she asks her if she wants to go back. The, the woman who's speaking Arabic says, I want you to stay here with me, um, but she says, no, I want to go back. So then to go back, the woman says, I have to take your sight because uh, I... I cannot bear for you to see what lies ahead. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is like a... It, it seems very clear that it's supposed to be some kind of astral projection thing going on here. I mean, this is like a some kind of cosmic chamber. You know, there's stars everywhere in it. It's, it's presented as very clearly otherworldly. So this seems to, if not confirm, at least help solidify my theory that when you get close to death, you have you can access this place you know going into the light you will end up in this in this kind of place a place beyond beyond the mundane world where yeah. i guess this this woman who's speaking arabic exists in perpetuity the taking of the eyes thing i don't know where that's going like that that seems that seems like it's probably important and seems like this woman also has the gift of foresight which i guess the oa uh is just displaying kind of like nascent signs of as well although hers seems mm-hmm. to be she has a nosebleed um as as she has a premonition then has the nosebleed again when when the uh when the event is about to occur which i assume mm. is going to come back uh maybe with a bit of dramatic irony dramatic irony later in the in the series uh but yeah with the, with the taking of the eyes thing i can't even begin to imagine where that's going it's uh seems like a seems like an abstract thing at the moment but we shall see we shall see. Uh, awesome. Uh, so last thing I wanted to mention about the episode, it ends going back to Prairie, back to the OA, and it, she says, 
and I couldn't see anything at all. And that was the end. So it sort of implies, whoa, this is a big thing. She she lost her sight. You know, where's this going to go? So I think that's pretty much the episode done at this point, Conrad. First episode yeah. in the bag. Uh, do you want to go into the roundup then? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so IMDb rating, 8.2. So it's quite a high rating out the, out the gate for this one. Um, I, I don't think I would give it that higher rating. I, d- I don't want to give the impression I didn't enjoy this because I did, but it was salvaged. I think it was a mediocre episode that was salvaged by a very strong ending. Um, I, w- I was interested in the beginning. I didn't buy a lot of the characterization in the middle, but then the 87 Russia stuff really brought it back. So I'd probably put this in the sevens somewhere if I was going to pick it. I'd, I'd say, you know, it's, it's good. But and and like and it's certainly an interesting opening to the show. I wouldn't say it's 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 the 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 strongest um, the strongest episode I've ever seen though. Fair enough. I think I'd probably for me I probably like the style of the show, the patience of the show, the, the the way they've portrayed it, plus the extra bit at the end with all that intrigue. I think it's for me. I think eight point two is fair for me. I th- yeah. I think I I would agree with you. Like if you were going to give it stars out of five. Um, you know, for you, you don't do half stars, so I suppose no, seven rounds up. I suppose seven <laughs> rounds up. So we're, we're looking at around the same there. So, yeah. yeah, like, you know, to be honest with you, if you're watching a TV show and you get about a seven and a half out of ten for your first episode, you're going to want to, you know, it's going to want to watch the next one. Yeah, you know, but, it's a three-star episode. Like, I, I, you know, I don't want to give the impression that that's bad, um, especially for people who've, who've seen the the Anthonys in the crowd who <laughs> probably love this show. Um, it wasn't bad. It was, there was definitely some, some good stuff in there. Um, I think it's still trying, it felt like dramatically it was still trying to find its feet a little bit to me so i will be very interested to see how that shakes out over the next couple of episodes awesome okay so uh are there any any theories uh that you could say coming out of this uh again we're not committing anything to paper um but we'll sort of just come in at the end here and think is there what's like is there any overall theory or any anything you wanted to mention so obviously there's the the kind of broad thing which is that it seems like by either by by getting close to dying um you are able to access this kind of like astral plane area which i think is where she met uh homer and where she met the other met the other um the other people that she was talking about to the Mm -hmm. police um i think that there's going to be like there's going to be characters that we meet throughout this show who she has met in this place who like they don't seem to know each other so i'm I'm looking forward to seeing who else uh we might we might meet i'm I'm looking forward to seeing who the old woman is because i presume she's gonna she's gonna come back in some way um i'm trying to think if there's anything else really well obviously those two characters at the beginning aren't actually her parents so what's Mm. going on there how do they (laughs) like how do they they're also there also is the uh question of the forthcoming appearance of jason isaacs at some point yeah i was i was looking out for jason isaacs in this like come on jason give me <laughs> give me that good give me that good jason stuff uh, <laughs> joy in this one but i'm very yeah i'm anticipating hotly anticipating his arrival in the show um but yeah so i i'm i'm I, i'll tell you what i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna fire from the hip <laughs> like that was my <laughs> if you, we put like a, a stock sound effect yeah that could be a new, a new segment like Conrad, conrad's hot shots round yeah um <laughs> so i mean the question is how did she how did she get displaced from russia to uh somewhere in america mm. uh, and and then you know where did where did she disappear for seven for seven years so i think 
for how she got displaced, I'm going to say she is she has premonitions, and I think that's separate to the astral plane projection stuff, maybe. So I'm gonna say there's maybe some kind of experimentation jiggery pokery going on with her like in in, uh, in russia that that gave her access to some of these abilities which then maybe her family needed to flee from either the government or so, or something along those lines like the the void i think is i don't know enough about russian uh post-communism kind of societies not what the void it was but that mm. seems like i mean they arranged for all those kids to be killed so uh that's obviously a threat to her family so my uh, i assume she is she's being displaced from russia to america by fleeing the these people who are trying to have them killed um and i, I guess she's going to be either adopted by these these american parents because her, her biological parents have died or they've abandoned her or something like that um yeah, so that's that's the big one. Where has she been for seven years? I'm going to say she's been in like a coma or something for seven years. That's okay. my guess. I've or like in stasis somewhere where she's had access to that astral plane for for seven years because that's about the length of time it would take to have like a good relationship with you know Homer and all the other people she knew there. Okay, awesome. So your sort of your overall sort of view of this uh, death thing that they're talking about is that they when you're in this position of like coma or whatever you can you can access this other 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 plane yeah so maybe maybe other gonna... places as well like maybe that like kind of astral place with a woman speaking arabic is almost like a um a, a, like a hub world that allows you access to other places uh, beyond the material plane that would be cool i'd love to see something like a little that. bit a little bit like the new pixar film soul where, they, where when you're in the zone you go to a certain you can go to a certain yeah. place yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah all right okay so let's get into one or two we've got, a, we've got one or two uh, questions from the listeners so we'll get into them now yeah, awesome. Let's do it. A stranger from the outside. All right. So, questions. If you want to leave a question for Conrad about episode two, or even just something about episode one, or in general about the show, put them in underneath this video. All right. So, first question comes from Donnie Starts, and Donnie Starts asks: So we know Prairie was blind and had had been missing, and then showed back up again and was able to see. Do you think that she went missing purposefully, or do you think that she was abducted? good question um so how old is she supposed to be in this show now i guess like late 20s maybe like early 30s well mid, i would say mid 20s i think when she's gone for seven years i would imagine she went missing when she was sort of late teens okay that's what i think but I'm, i might I, be wrong i'm gonna say she was initially abducted because i don't believe that she by the age of seven, particularly if we look at where her character seems to have grown up, mm-hmm. she seems to like the, the, the stuff in Russia seems to be displacing her from the the area that could explain her powers and 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 what's going on pretty quickly. Like they're getting her away from Russia uh, because there's a there's a threat there, or that's how it seems to be. That's how it seems to be going. They're, they're displacing her to America with parents who. They're, they're cl- maybe they know more than they're letting on but the impression i get from her parents or her parents um her adopted parents i shouldn't that's that sounds dismissive to put it in air quotes mm-hmm. um yeah. the impression that they that we're given of them is that they don't really understand any of 
you know what's going on in the OA's head mm -hmm. so I doubt that there was anyone with her in her formative year saying oh by the way this is what that means um, which <laughs> makes me think that when someone came to her when she was 17 or 16 or however old she was and says by the way you're a superhero let's go um, <laughs> I don't think she would understand or be in a position to even, even begin to process the information she was given there so I think she was probably abducted at first um, and then taught about who she was and that would will lead her to settling into the place that she ended up uh, for seven years, which is why she stayed there for as long as she did. I don't know why she left. That's kind of where I'm, that's what I'm most focused on at the moment. Like, was, mm. Did she leave unwillingly or, or, or did she get sent back for, for something? That's, that's kind of what I'm really fascinated to find out at the moment. Interesting. Okay, awesome. Next question comes from Shelley. And Shelley says, um, Shelley, Shelley was going to, I think she was, she was planning on being a Conrad, uh, but she watched the first episode and then ended up binging it over the weekend uh, there. Shelley, Shelley, Shelley. The road not taken. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Plenty we don't want you anyway. <laughs> plenty of toast have I to go around, Shelley. Uh, so question to Conrad is, do you think Prairie will be a force for good or evil? I... I think the, so. This character seems to be operating on a level above the ideas of human morality to some extent. Like she doesn't really seem to see things in the same kind of moral light as a lot of the characters, as a lot of the kind of mundane characters around her. Like she doesn't really have any um, qualms about what she does with Steve, for instance. Like she doesn't stop to think, "Oh, this is morally wrong to impersonate yeah. this person's this person's mother." which makes me think she's probably just going to be this I, I don't want to say neutral but but almost amoral so she may do some things that are quite bad because they are in service of a greater good that only she is aware of um mm -hmm. so yeah I, I don't i don't think she's going to be a, a good guy i think it's 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 going to be a lot more a lot more gray than that yeah okay fair enough and shelly has another question okay um do you have any guesses about what the OA means? <laughs> Here we go. All right. So I have, I a long time ago played um, a role-playing game called Vampire the Masquerade. And there's a clan of vampires in that called the Asamite, or they used to be called the Asamite. They're not anymore. So I'm going to say it stands for original Asamite because she's clearly a vampire because she needs to be invited into people's homes before she can go into them. So it's interesting to me that you straight away, like originally about 20 minutes ago, or whatever, when we were first talking about this, for some reason, the O for you stood for original. Yeah, I, I'll tell you exactly why it was. Because as soon as she said the OA, my mind... I, I, I don't know why it did this. OG. Because, well, yeah, so it went to OG. And then I started singing the Offspring song, uh, Orig Original Prankster, in my... Original Prankster? <laughs> is that what it's called? I can't yeah, remember. Original yeah, Original Prankster. <laughs> yeah, in my head. And that's just stuck in there. So so that's that, like... That's locked in now. It's a, it's original and then another word, but really it's OG, but with a uh, original prankster as kind of her theme song. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Uh, and last one comes from Vic. Now, Vic is a Conrad for this show. Oh, lovely. Welcome to the club, Vic. He still has a question for you, though. Why do you think Prairie asked the nurse whether she flatlined? Um, well, because I think that's that near-death experience. I think you have to 
you have to get to it, it's actually it's a lot it's i think where they're going is a lot like the movie flatliners which i don't know if you ever see but basically when i know uh, of it yeah basically the plot of that movie is it's a group of i think they're like medical students and um they realize that as you are flatlining you get access to i can't even remember what you get access to but you see some crazy world you get access mm. to some crazy crazy abilities but obviously you can't stay there for long you have to be brought back from it um and i wonder if this is going to a similar place where you really need to push yourself right to the edge of dying in order to get access to um get access to to this this plane of existence where we're seeing this crazy astral projection stuff going on interesting interesting okay and ted just adds a little comment here which i thought thinks pretty funny so i will include it um it says i've been watching american series all my life and this was the first time i have ever seen people taking off their shoes before going into the house in canada our mothers would have beat us silly if we came in trouncing around with them on yeah i i i'm, I'm with there right there with you to be honest like when people come into my into my flat and leave their shoes on they are immediately excommunicated it's like well i can't be friends with this person anymore because they're clearly a monster um let's yeah. be honest even if i'm taking a short walk to a friend's house or just go into the shop or whatever when i get to someone's house or even my own house the first thing i want is toes on the carpet i want oh, to feel yeah. that comfort of the carpet on my toes absolutely like go barefoot like live that yeah. life that's the that's the dream that that, that we all want to live i don't know why you you'd be so wedded to the idea of wearing <laughs> shoes exactly uh all right so that that is us finished the first episode if you have any questions about the next one make sure you put them below um i'm really happy with how that went i will say uh that for anyone who's just joined us for the oa i, I just want to reiterate there are some people who are conrads uh, who have not seen the show before so just be be careful with spoilers and stuff in the comments uh our dark community from it when we did dark are very good with spoiler tagging things um so make sure you do that just just we want to we want to be uh, accommodating to all um but i'm really looking forward to it i think we've had a good start i've yeah. really enjoyed talking about the show um it's always going to feel a bit strange, I think, moving through into a different uh, series. But I think we've managed to have a pretty successful conversation about this show there. And I think there's plenty of meat on the bone, as I would say, which I've yeah. never said before. But I will say it now. <laughs> just bring that bring that phrase into your into your, your lexicon. Plenty of meat on the bone. Uh, just before we go on, I do want to say uh, that if you want uh, to grab one of those t-shirts uh, that we have, my wife so diligently put together for us um again it's just a little memento for, for the journey we went on with dark if you want to pick up pick up one of those uh then they are at the link in the description um in terms of being limited edition i'm not sure we'll probably just leave that up if you want to get one you can get one uh, <laughs> you know what i mean uh there's still there's already a few people who've got one and enjoy it enjoy it uh, i will be getting one eventually once yeah, i can yeah, and we'll be we'll, we'll both wear them proudly uh, yeah. on on the podcast. Apart from that, Conrad, is there anything you wanted to add this week? Uh, no, not really. Just that you know, I'm I'm Conrad, and and according to Steve, welcome to Jackass. Uh, <laughs> 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 Lots of handstands on roofs in the near future. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like you know, uh, I think it takes us back to like the first ever episode of the Afterlife podcast when you talked about being on top of a shed. Oh, absolutely. Back in those halcyon days of episode one or two, whenever that was. I think that was yeah, our yeah. first episode. I listened back to that and like it's so gravelly and like the static yeah. is through the roof. We had no yeah. idea what we were doing. So it's like someone it's like we recorded it on a gramophone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well we weren't far off, like, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, thanks very much. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. Subscribe on audio apps as well if that's how you prefer to listen to your podcasts. Could you please uh, also comment, like the video, all that sort of sort of stuff really helps. If you want to send us an email, it's adpod at gmail.com. 
at 80podmail, I should say, at gmail.com. Apart from that, nothing else to say. I'll see you for episode two next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. The After Dark Podcast has been a Culture Cave production. Please subscribe on audio apps as well as on YouTube at The Culture Cave. Join us next week as Conrad journeys further into the unknown.